From Boss Track, it's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your Hype Squad. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Her Hype Squad with Boss Track. I'm your host, Michelle Harris. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Linne Romandino, Director of Talent Management at a large property management firm. Linne and I talk about women and being both confident and assertive in the workplace. We talk about giving and getting feedback and the importance of candor in giving that feedback. We also get into authenticity. It's interesting because we know businesses say they want people to show up authentically, but do they really? It's a great conversation. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Lene. Lene Remondino is an army brat who grew up overseas and learned the importance of relationships at an early age. As a director of talent management, she's known to inspire minds and unlock potential while improving organizational effectiveness and efficiencies. Lene's signals have gotten jammed many times over the years due to experiencing poor feedback and communication skills from others. The frustration she felt personally from the lack of leadership inspired her to create a leadership development workshop dedicated to coaching other leaders, which she hosts routinely on a bi-weekly basis. Through this forum, she leverages her uncanny ability to identify the root cause or specific behavior that will enhance relationships, performance, or development. Lene is a strategic and empathetic professional whose purpose in life is to advocate for people. She's often known for producing aha moments for others. She's innovative and drives outside-of-the-box thinking while reinforcing the need to be solutions-oriented. She makes a difference by challenging leaders to be their best self while understanding their responsibility is to foster future leaders and help them navigate. This is where her passion for coaching has become instrumental in her day-to-day life. Lene's certifications include Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, Situational Leadership, Development Dimensions International Leadership Facilitator, and succession planning and talent development. Well, so with all that said, here's my conversation with Lene Remondino. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Lene. I am so happy that we finally coordinated time to talk, and uh, it's great to see you. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. I know you have a lot of great information to share, and it's a very important topic that we're going to talk about. So thank you for joining us today. I'm glad you invited me. I'm looking forward to this as well. Great. I'd love for you to share with the audience, you know, a little bit about you, a brief description of your experience and what you currently do in your leadership role. Sure. So I am the director of talent management here at Adveneer Living. I've been in property management for 30 years. So I have some experience on the operations side, but for more than the last 20, I've been in the learning and development, organizational development, and now talent management sector. And I spend quite a bit of time on coaching and supporting our leaders and being better leaders and how they show up every single day. But I think, you know, anything to do with talent management, building efficiencies, productivity, I think it's really a lot about, you know, KPIs in the organization and how do we support team members' performance and then audit that, track that, develop on the learning sector, what we can do to continue to support that. And then just efficiencies in general in the organization. So anything that will 
help us in attracting, retaining, developing our workforce. Perfect. And I, from, from that, I know you have kind of a different perspective than a lot of other people because <laughs> you, it's not only about you leading a team of your own, but you are helping other leaders lead their teams. So you're kind of seeing things from an outside perspective as well. So I can imagine that you get a pretty wide angle view of different leadership challenges that people face. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, this, this particular population and property management, especially at field level, it's, it's highly female population. So it's, it's, there's a lot of women perspectives. And then certainly, of course, you know, you also have the, the gender communication, because we do have higher leaders that are, are male and some women, but it is, there's always that diversity, but it is a population of a lot of women, which is, is I think a unique thing in just business in general. Yeah. And that's a, another amazing perspective to add in there too, because yeah, it's not too often that you're in an environment where most of the leadership or a, a higher percentage of the leadership is a female. So that's, mm -hmm. that's going to be interesting to hear your insights because I know we have such an interesting topic and something that I get asked about a lot myself. I've had different conversations with different women's groups in different uh, multiple industries. It's always a challenge, but I know we're going to talk about really like for women in communication when they're trying to be confident and assertive and they there's a bias there where they're taken as being aggressive or you know when I say the word you know they're they're <laughs> oh, bitch please. <laughs> yeah. let's please say it <laughs> um, I've so, never been referred to as that at all I don't think <laughs> yeah I mean I would love I mean I know that's our conversation I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that and kind of what what do you think like drives that whole well, first of all, maybe you can offer your perspective on that and maybe we can get into talking about like, what do you think like drives that? And, and then we can kind of go from there. You know, when you and I spoke about doing this, of course, it's right up my alley. And I think that there's women are often perceived as, and I should say maybe, maybe even by other women, this isn't a gender thing, but I think that we, especially depending on the generation that we're, we're referring to, that women should maybe be a little more meager and, you know, more mild tempered or, you know, certainly not too passionate and definitely not too bold. And so I think that, you know, my perspective um, might be jaded for some, might be more biased for some because I am a bold communicator. And I think something a lot of people refer to me as is confidence. So when you combine those two, already you walk into a room and I hear you kind of have a presence. And so then you speak and you speak so concretely. And it's, I, I think there, unfortunately, it can automatically have some people shut down on you or, or consider you too much of something of any kind. And I think we get it in every Every single one of us gets it every single day. The the quiet ones, they hear you're too quiet, right? So I think mm -hmm. I don't wanna I, I don't wanna say that we aren't all uniquely ourselves and we all don't hear feedback or we all have to live with everyone's perceptions. 
But as you know, I think you've heard me say, I can't live up to everybody else's perceptions, right? And I think the world we've changed and morphed, I think, into wanting everyone to be their most authentic selves. But then when we say that, do we really understand what that means? And mm -hmm. do we really want it? Like, And do we know how to handle it? That's, mm -hmm. that's really the interesting part. And so for me, my perspective on, first off, the word aggression, just, it hurts my soul. I think you know, when you know certain styles of communication and, and you know, whether you know DISC or whatever the case may be, best you can do the best communication DISC, which is an affiliate to DISC or even Myers-Briggs. When you learn those components about an individual and you learn that there's just, it's your inborn preferences. It's not, it's not like you're choosing to be anything but you have people that are very opposite of you. And those individuals are always going to use stronger words to define you. But the word aggression to me, if you look it up, it, it I mean, it refers to almost like you're willing to walk all over somebody to get what you want. And so I often say I'm very assertive, <laughs> but, and I think in this world, we have to be, mm -hmm. and there's dynamics that we've you know, that caused that for all of us. But yeah, so that's some of my take. So I'm interested to hear how, what is the feedback that you said, like you've been in meetings where people shut down or kind of feel that it's, it's too much. Like, what is the feedback that you get? Like, how do, how do you know when somebody is kind of responding to you in that way that, that they're taking your, your confidence and your bold communication style in maybe a wrong way? Yeah. Gosh, Michelle. Okay. I feel like I'm about to go into therapy or your <laughs> listeners are about to be like, Ooh, okay, let's listen up. So I will say it's twofold, right? For me, if you are asking my personal experience. So mm -hmm. I will tell you, I had a boss one time tell me that I had a superpower and I was like, Ooh, okay, that's exciting. Like, I love it. And, and I've heard this through most of my career, but the way that she had shared it with me was that I had the ability to be a forward thinker. I'm a visionary. And yet I can connect dots to all the way up through to that future and see things that a lot of people can't necessarily see. So I think then it could appear to some that I'm pushing my ideas on them or when I'm really just trying to help us also see the future. And when you have some individuals that are just action-oriented movers, they want to get stuff done, which we need all, we need everybody, right? For a team. I think those individuals may tend to feel a little more pressure because with my bold personality, in addition to that. So I think there's always these other little components about all of us, right? So it's not so black and white that I can answer that so clearly, like I would love to for you. I think that it, it just, it, it helps because I'm concrete in the things that I'm saying. And yet it works against me because even when I'm brainstorming, I sound concrete. And so like everyone may think I know what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And inwardly, there's probably that person that's like, no, I need help here. Like I'm, I really, I'm just, kind of, you know, winging it in the moment and coming up with some ideas because I can, I'm quick, you know, I'm quick that way. It doesn't mean that I feel it's the right way. And yet it can be misinterpreted because of how confident and bold I am in my communication style. 
Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you so much. A lot of vulnerability yeah. I just gave you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you brought up a very good, important or a very important topic, which is short-term thinking versus long-term thinking. And I think businesses are way too short-term thinking oriented, but that's like a whole other topic for probably for another day. I'm but, in uh, when you're ready. But so like, I'm just thinking for listeners out there who are trying to communicate confidently and they're speaking up in meetings and they want their voice to be heard. Maybe they hear something that they believe isn't right and they kind of bring up their thoughts and, you know, that kind of leads down the rabbit hole of them kind of looked at then as being like not a team player or being like going back to the aggressive word or yeah, just being like disagreeable all the time. So I think a lot of times people do get that feedback either directly or from kind of the feeling that they get in the meeting. But at the same time, I think, I think there are times too, and you can kind of tell me if I'm wrong, maybe you've heard Maybe you've talked to different people in the company and in the companies you've worked with that sometimes is really just a misperception on their part. And do, have you run into that? Like, how do you how do you coach people through to know if they're really being overly assertive? Because there are times when maybe somebody is being they don't know how to communicate well and they are coming across as aggressive because they're uncomfortable with being assertive. But so how do they know? Like, what's the what? What do they do? So this is what's interesting to me. Everything is relationship-based, right? And so for me, it is, I I live by this adage of talk to and not about. And so I feel that that is something that people don't do enough of because of either their fear of ha having difficult conversations, their fear of their own communication style, whether they think too much or too little, and they just, however, it's going to come across to another human being. I believe in if you care about somebody and you want to have a relationship with somebody and in work, we don't have choices that you should have direct communication with each other, but then there's my direct style, right? Mm -hmm. So it shows up in that, but it, I, I don't know another way to coach to this because I believe the only way to live up to someone's perception is if you're working with that individual on their perception. Mm -hmm. And so too many people, too many leaders tend to play middleman and tend to, then they have their own bias, right? Where they kind of build in, oh, I've seen that too. And so now it becomes a thing and it's more morphed into maybe your boss's perception versus, you know, it's like the telephone game. You heard this, but I'm going to internalize it as this, and then I'm going to share it as that. And, and it's just so unproductive and nobody's got time for it, really. At, at the end of the day, a lot of businesses that, I've been in and I, I'm, I would guess maybe even you, it's, it's not so serious that, you know, these things have to get in our way at all. And yet people potentially are fearful of just saying, hey, when you did that in this meeting today, this is how I took it. Is that how you meant it? No, that's not at all how I meant it. There's what I meant. And it just opens up the gamut to a better place of understanding. And it's just such an underutilized trait that I think people in general work outside of work, inside of work. It's just, 
communication is one of the biggest differences we all face every day and 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 often don't spend a lot of time to hone those skills. Yeah, completely. I don't agree know if I answered that. your question, but No, you did. You did yeah. and I, I I yeah, I one of the things that we promote with Lost Track is honest communication. We talk about radical candor. We actually I mean, we really promote that book as well. It's, an, it's a great book, Radical it's a Candor. Great book. I've read it. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, some people think for new leaders, it's too advanced, but I don't know when else you start. When, when do you start if you don't start when you're a new leader to kind of yeah. take on that philosophy of, because you're, you're not doing anybody any favors by holding anything back, because if you're not giving someone that feedback. So let's say an example, if I was in a meeting with somebody on my team who did get up and they maybe got a little overpassionate, got upset with somebody across the table, and they started to kind of get like a little angry sounding. Mm -hmm. And then I, I observed like that happening multiple times, but even the first time, I think it's your job as a leader to save that person and give them that feedback because they're in that moment where they're not recognizing how they're being perceived. They're just like communicating the only way they know how to communicate and they're going to get a reputation, that reputation for, you know, being too forceful or too I hate to use the word emotional because it's okay to be emotional. Well, for some, but some don't like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it depends on, yeah, there's a there's a fine line, I guess. But but yeah, like if you don't give that feedback, they continue and it's, it doesn't serve them at all. People are going to talk, you know, it, they might be the best at something. They might be the great next leader and you go to promote them and somebody appear or your boss, like they're all kind of talking like, no, like, why would you because of this? And, you know, it's your job as a leader to help that person develop and grow and holding back because you feel like you're, you feel bad, or you don't want to be critical, or, you know, whatever your reason is, it's like, it's really hurting them. And it, you know, it's really, I, there's definitely needs to be a shift in the way you look at being candid with somebody. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that there is, to your point, a huge disservice that we do. Again, it, it and it's not, yes, as a leader, but it's it's so much broader than that. If our roles are to build future leaders, if that is our role as a leader, then how can you do that if you're not beside them and coaching and guiding? It's up to whoever it is to want to make those changes, of course, but the biggest disservice we can do is to not even just let them know or, hey, did you mean to be so passionate in that meeting? You know, and here's the other double-edged sword. Like, if you squander somebody's passion, mm -hmm. then what do you have? And so it's this fine line, I think, for leaders as well, right? And, and understanding what is it that we're trying to achieve in the feedback that we're providing and where in this person's delivery did it make others so uncomfortable and 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 that is that's the art I think of leadership but also the art of again the most being we want to promote being your most authentic self and and yet do we do we mm. want that and I don't think that companies when we establish core values and we and we not certainly at my company but I'm just saying in general population if if it is true that 
the number one opportunity that a lot of leaders have is in coaching, which it's true. Mm -hmm. And then you add in the nuances of holding difficult conversations or having to, you know, share feedback and, you know, all these other elements that go along with what it takes to, to coach. To your point, if you, I often am known for saying it's not a thing until it's a thing, mm. right? We make things such a thing. And, and then coaching sounds like counseling. And then it's so negative. And yet everyone's just trying to show most people don't walk, wake up in the morning, plant their feet on the ground and say, today, I just want to be a jerk to somebody or not show up today. Like it's just, it's not the norm. And so if we know that it's how as leaders, do we cultivate people in their strengths and support them along the way and even laugh with each other over just human things <laughs> that mm -hmm. happen. And we, so if we catch it early on, like you said, and we come out of that meeting the very first time and we're like, Hey, what got you so riled up? What made you so passionate about that? And we pause as leaders. I'm going to go sideways for one second. Yeah, of course. I think that the, the, another opportunity is people off leaders are like, especially at a certain generation, oh my gosh, they're difficult because, you know, I don't want to hear the excuses and I don't want to, like, I just want to tell you what you need to do, go and do it and be done, which is, in my opinion, not great leadership, number one, but it is what we do, what we've seen and what, and if our leaders got to a great place in life and that's how they treated us, then we start to implement and, and kind of we're the same. But I think that we owe it to our team members to not be that way. I think we owe it to them. And if I'm not learning from my team member and I'm not pausing to understand what got them to where they're at, if they don't share their excuses with me, I don't know where to coach. Right. And so people want to stop the gap. They don't want to spend the time because we're so busy. And then we tend to avoid, again, the difficult conversation because we go into tell mode mm -hmm. instead of, as your leader, let me listen to learn and help guide. And I think that's the biggest injustice we do to our team members. Yeah, I agree. And it's so interesting that, you know, we say they, they, they always have excuses, but it's not, you can't look at it as like an excuse. They're giving you your re their reasons, like whether you feel like they're legitimate or not, they're the reasons, mm -hmm. not excuses. Mm -hmm. And you need to help them kind of work through those reasons. So that's your job as a leader. For sure. And I'd love to kind of go back to authenticity. Like you said a couple of times, like we want people to be their authentic selves, but do we really want that? I was just talking to somebody last night, yeah. they're in a role and they're kind of in this challenging position where they're new and they knew the person from working in a prior life and they had a comfort level, but when they got to this new environment, they were getting the feedback that they needed to act a certain way or they needed to present themselves a certain way that wasn't necessarily authentic to who they were. So mm -hmm. it's so like just so relevant to just even a conversation I had recently. I'd love to kind of understand why why you say people want authenticity, but do they really? What do you mean by that? 
because I think we often are trying to live up to others' perceptions all the time. And my experiences and my reality will never be your experiences or your reality. There's so many things that shape us from whether we both had both of our parents around when we grew up. I'm the middle child of three girls. Let's talk about that another day. And so the, the, all of those things shape how we show up in the world. And a lot of them aren't things, if we get feedback, a lot of the times it's the same things we're hearing. A lot of the times, not all the time, but a lot. And so it's how do we help the world kind of shift its mindset in embracing people's strengths, knowing that we are dealing with human beings and with those strengths, you're going to have headache. Mm -hmm. You're going to have something. And yet we want to have everybody be molded and kind of shaped. I feel a lot of the times a certain way, or we want to, well, we got to, we got to minimize this. But when you, when you, it's like you burn out somebody's fire Mm -hmm. in one area you'll get something else so stay tuned right like it's so and don't get me wrong I'm not saying you let people fly I'm not saying that what I'm saying is and it goes back to what I said originally and my opinion for whatever it's worth it's all about one-on-one relationships if we start going we do 360 evaluations and yes it's important to identify trends But let's say, and I happen to know this about us, that we are ENTJs and we have in Myers-Briggs, right? And so we have, let's say we have five people that are all built kind of from the same cloth. And then you have five people that are not. Well, the five people that are not are a theme. And yet, if I don't know who those five people are, if I don't know that I can have an open door conversation so that I can lean in and say, we're different. How can I support you better? What do you need from me in the environment when we are together, right? If I don't get that opportunity, that perception is not going to go away. And I'm working to change who I am to fit a mold of somebody else's perceptions because they're different than me. And that goes aside, that takes us all into diversity, equity, inclusion. So we'll stay away from that for a minute. But 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 communication, though, when we do look at it because of our upbringing, because of all these other things, it is the number one component of diversity that I feel is often not spoken about as much as it should be, even within diversity and mm-hmm. equity and inclusion. So so that's what I mean by authenticity and, and allowing people to be their most authentic self and being cautious of how we promote people's strengths and 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 really cultivate that with individuals and have the light shine on the positive things that people bring to the equation. And we're talking about A performers or, you know, even B plus, we're not talking about your C or D performers and that don't have certain core values that your organization needs, et cetera. But Values are very different than, let's just say, the way somebody shows up, right? Your values, our values could be very similar, but the way we show up with those values might be very different. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So I think a lot of this gets back to empathy and really kind of taking the time to understand where another person is coming from, where what they're 
feeling and what they might be thinking and being open to understanding where mm-hmm. where they're coming from. And then obviously knowing yourself and how you respond to things and being self-aware. I'm curious, and I know I'm just going to say this, it's this is empathy is seems to be a bit much more innate in women than in men. Mm-hmm. And I'd love since you kind of have an environment where you have more women leaders than male leaders, like, do you Do you see that? Do you feel that? Do you observe like women being able to be more empathetic and kind of allowing people to live or work in their authentic way and be them their authentic selves? Or do you see it kind of across the board? I see it across the board. And I think, you know, it's interesting. I do think that men can be empathetic and there are, you know, because there are men that have, certain communication styles, right? That 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 just is their innate ability to be. I think where there's a difference is it's twofold. You know, back in my day, I know I, I sound like I'm an old lady that takes my teeth out at night, but back in the day, I remember that it was a doggy dog world with women, very competitive. And there's been a huge shift in society where it's a sisterhood, I feel like for the most part, and yet there's still some cattiness. There's still, and, and I don't believe that it's intentional, any cattiness. I think, again, it goes back to who is willing and able and confident enough to hold difficult conversations that don't need to be difficult, but we so Michelle, I did a coaching session not terribly long ago with a lady And I will tell you that the minute I said, let's skills practice this, let's just, how would you approach with your team member? And I'm not kidding you, the shifting in the chair, getting really buttoned up and stiff and like, and it was the first time something had happened with this team member. Again, it wasn't a thing, but it was being made into a thing. And, and it was, well, I'm going to, I'm going to call her into my office and I'm going to, and I'm just like, wait, okay, so Let's talk about that, right? Why is it such a thing? Why not just be like, hey, yesterday, like, you know, but we button it up and we, we like, we have to magnify it and make it so huge. And then of course your team member, you're their boss. Your team member is already like on pins and needles. And then they're not going to be able to show up with you without probably being more defensive because we're creating an environment where it feels hostile or it feels worse than what it should, especially if we're calling it coaching. But Mm -hmm. so I I do see that both are, they have the ability. I see that it's across the gamut with both not feeling comfortable, but with men to men, what I do notice, and I got to tell you, what's fascinating to me is men can get in the room together and jab at each other. And like, you can sit there with a room full of men. I have had that opportunity many times in my life and you just kind of observe and you watch and like, it's almost like they're, they're giving each other feedback, but they're not. And it isn't a thing, but it's almost too much, not of a thing. And, and then they move on and it's, it's fascinating to me. So yeah. So I do see those differences where women aren't gonna, they're not as likely to do that in an, in that environment. And So definitely there's differences, but I do think empathy is shared. It's just, how is it demonstrated among the genders? 
Yeah. And I mean, I definitely agree with you and empathy can be learned. I mean, it can be innate, but it can be learned as well. So definitely have seen my share of male leaders who are very empathetic. And I've seen my share of women leaders, female leaders who haven't been. So I'm just curious, since you have like a little microcosm there, what your, what your take was. And I love what you said about that men can just like dig and jab at each other they can like shit talk with each other and they get their point across because obviously there's some truth to what they're saying but then they just move on and I I, like what do you think that do you attribute that to just how like just society like women how women are were raised and like why why can't we do that with each other it's like why is it so different I, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's fascinating to me. And again, I do think to some degree, your generation matters in this regard, because, yeah. you know, I, I think that a generation above me or even the one above that, you know, the, for, for those, my grandmother probably, if she could see me, which she can, I guess, but if she could see me today, she would probably say, oh my goodness, she's too confident. And oh my goodness, mm-hmm. right? So I, you know, I, I wish I had that magic ball where I could see inside to say, and even better, where I could create a movement, if you will, with women. I, I think we're there, but we're there, like I said, as a sisterhood, which is a beautiful place. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to change this for the world now. I, there's nothing better than to lift other women up and, and support each other and be happy and proud of their successes instead of it feeling like it felt when I was in my twenties or even early thirties. I think I, I do think though there, there's a lost art in men and what they play in that and how they support and even mentor women because if we have a lot of men that are at the highest at that table that you're wanting to get to I don't want to make it a gender thing and yet it's hard for women and for us I think not to because there are places and and we want to strive as well, many of us, right, to have a seat at that table. And and sometimes if that table is full of a lot of men, you don't know that you're really being understood or that you, I, I feel blessed that I have a voice in the room in those areas. I just think that there is still potentially perceptions and bias just because you're a woman, whether we openly admit that or not. And so my question would be to any man that's out there listening to this is how at an upper level in leadership, are you mentoring those women to have that seat at the table? What part do we play to put them there and guide them and mentor them, you know, along the way? And I feel like that is, it's not happening nearly enough. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I think there it's it's even more than mentorship, it's sponsorship. It's, mm. you know, identifying those people that have the capabilities and skills and, and really bringing them up, not just mentoring them, but like bringing their name up in, in the right conversations, like recommending people for projects. Really, I, I think, I don't know if you've read the My Life in Full by Indra Nui. She's very talented and she, uh, her career was like driven by her capabilities and her drive. And But she also was fortunate enough to have 
men that knew what she was capable of and were willing to like talk about her and recommend her for new positions. And I just think there's not a whole lot of that. So it's, I'd, I'd love to, to see more of that. And Oh, I yeah. was going to say something else about that. Oh, I know what it was. And the other thing too is interesting. I don't remember where I heard this from and I, hopefully I'll remember before we before we publish this episode, but there was something I had heard. Somebody was telling a story about a CEO that was coaching or having the sessions with the, their VPs or director level and they were kind of talking to the male, like the men about like operations and finance and like really like driving operational results. But then they were talking to the women about soft skills, like how they can communicate better. And like, <laughs> so, and obviously to move up to a C-suite position, you need, I mean, you need to have those strategic, like you need to have that focus. And I think like they had received a coaching session themselves, like maybe they were in an executive program and mm -hmm. the guy just didn't even realize that he was doing that. And it wasn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't know that he had that internal bias that was driving him to treat the two groups differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just really becoming aware too of like how you're showing up for your team and making sure that there is equity, you know, equality in the way you're treating people. And I, yeah. I think there's not enough of, you know, I don't know what your thought is, but there's not enough of that. No, I, I mean, I, I think that because men are so accustomed to a different art of communication with men in general, I do think that it, there is a difference whether they realize it or not. And it is, to your point, it, it is interesting because you could have the most capable female in the world that doesn't have any performance issues. But I think women, I, I've not had very many women bosses. And I'll be honest with you, back in the day, I remember saying, I don't want them. I, I prefer to make, because I am a bold communicator, but it requires a bold individual to lead me well, because I, I feel that there's and don't get me wrong, I think every style is needed on a team. I think that's where you have the most efficient and end result when you have that kind of different different ways of thinking so that you're brainstorming and, and catching everything to support. When you have, in talent management, you have to support all talent. So it can't be one focus, right? Of So I think that it's really important that going back to what you were saying with, with men leaders, leaders that are men, that they they understand we're just human too, right? And that we're going to have some hiccups along the way, just like anyone else. But I, I just don't know if they know how to handle it as well or how to approach it as well. And I, I wish we had a man on here to yeah. kind of tell us, but the, I, the beauty of this world is we could have five and they all might have different perspectives. I think it's honestly, I think it's still less than that. I think it's more about whoever has the seat at the table, whoever it is, male or female, I've often said, I'm not a proponent of mentorship programs, a two-point sponsorship program, but mentorship programs internally, a lot of companies do this peer-to-peer -peer thing. And to me, yes, do we want our team members to be comfortable? We absolutely do. And so I think companies think that's the, the route to go is to set them up with a peer. But for me, it's 
who's the next if if we want people and we're we are in a position to build the next leaders then the mentor to that person has to be at least one step up mm-hmm. and i often find where are they right who are they and more importantly, if coaching in general, again, is a challenge for most leaders, even if they were there, how are they showing up? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I like that. Well, I definitely, I, I personally have not really thought about a mentor being at the same level. I've, it's always been in my brain that it's at least a, a step above, like you said, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think too, like people don't need to look in their, just in their company for that mentor. And in fact, it can often be better to find a mentor that's in that's outside of the company you're working with or working in or even like different industry like just getting those different perspectives is just is helpful and i i do think there are so many women kind of going back to your point earlier about kind of that sisterhood and you know that hype squad which of course mm-hmm. that's what we're all about her hype yeah. squad with boss track but there are so many women that do want to give back and really help the you know women leaders coming up because they know what they went through as a new leader and they know the challenges and they really want to find a way to support and that I mean with boss track in our community that's what we really try to do is like have that online but I know there are other organizations as well that that do that and you know, definitely anybody listening, you know, I would say for sure you need to find a mentor. I think there, and we're actually working on a course right now about building your personal board. Who do you, you know, who are those five to 10 people you need to have around you to grow your career exponentially? And of course, like a mentor is one of those. So I feel like I kind of circled around, but but it's so important. It's so important for people to, to look wherever they can to find that mentor. And there's so many, so many women or men, I mean, wanting to support them. I think you're right. I think, you know, and, and so many things again, and everything you and I are talking about, there's so many factors, right? Nothing is so black and white and there's always shades of gray. I think you know, my lens is property management. There could be many other industries out there that don't build mentorship programs the same way. But a lot of, in my industry, it's considered more like a buddy system, but the mentorship, because you're new, potentially here's somebody who knows your role, can help set you up, can, you know, build you because they're more experienced in that role. But to your point and what I was saying, I just, I feel like businesses own, you own your own development. I I believe in that. You have to be given the feedback, right? You have to know where you stand with certain people and it can't be through hearsay. But once you're given it, you own what you're going to do with that and how you want to show up for another human being. But I think that there's an element of also looking at in business, I have my mentors outside, right? I have the people I know I lean to and I will brainstorm with, or I will even call up and my mom and dad on any given day and, you know, just talk to them about what I might be going through and leaning on them for guidance. But I think that there's, that's one component in business though. I think businesses owe it, especially to your top 5%. If you have people and you're looking at succession planning and, you know, just, what is that career pathing, that mentorship, who, who's taking that on, who's helping that person grow. And that's where I also, that's why I believe it it has to be that level up, but it requires time. And a lot of people just don't have it. And most companies run so lean these days. 
Yeah, that's true. I'd love to circle back around to one to the topic of of so being assertive and confident. So I don't, one of the things I don't think we talked about was like, if a woman or if somebody listening to this conversation is feeling like they're being perceived as overly confident or they're taken the wrong way, or it's being seen in a negative, negative light, what are some things they could do to, to understand it better? What do, what do you think yeah. they, they can do? Like, what are some of the actions they could take? Yeah, I, you know, I think, again, I'm so sorry, you don't hate me when I keep referring back to communication. But I do think, again, it's asking the right questions, leaning in, you know, I have found that a lot of people, even when I lean in, I ask for feedback, or I say, you know, how did, how do you think that went? Or even then people will potentially just, right? Oh, it's Mm -hmm. great, you know, or, and you don't often know. And again, it, it requires people to just be honest, just share. And I, we live in this world where I think now even more than ever, society is making it so hard and in even honesty, because we have to be so politically correct in so many things. And, and, and yes, we should be to some degree, but then we shouldn't make it so hard on ourselves that we lose, we lose that candor. And, you know, if you're being fair, but kind and direct like that, the direct part is probably the kindness, right? It is right. important to share. So one thing is to ask the questions. See if you get the answer. Another is if you really do um, question that in yourselves. I think when we are able to be our most authentic selves is when we're around our family and our friends. Ask your family and friends. See what information they'll give you. The best feedback you can get, though, is unsolicited. And the best feedback you can get is from people you trust the most. And so Mm -hmm. if we're open to that, then, you know, you said something earlier. It's all about self-awareness. I know exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard because I want to be who I am because I hope no matter how bold I am or any of those things that, you know, people, it resonates to people that I care. And when I'm sharing ideas, it's because I care. I care about something, either the person who's asking for help or the company as far as efficiencies, or I think, again, most people are coming from that place. And so it's, it's how do you, I think, ask yourself, what are you willing to adapt or adopt in your way of being right what do you what do you want what do you want to project and there'll be some that want to project more or less of something and I say go for it but if you don't then you know there's self-help books there's all kinds of stuff but I think that there's there's more of a that's more of an internal question to know is there something within yourself that you really want to change or are you doing this for advancement? Are you, are you doing it for other ways other than, again, being able to live your most authentic self? Because at the end of the day, when you don't, it will come back and bite you. It will show up some way, somehow. And that's not pretty on anybody. Great. Well, that, I I love that perspective. And I'd love to switch it up a little bit. If you have a little, you have more, do you have time? Only for you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So is there anything that you wish you would have known when you started out as a leader, like something you know now that, well, you really would have been helpful to know back then? Yeah. When I started out as a leader, because I didn't know myself 
so well. I mean, I was, I had become a manager in my first year in this industry. So typically I would have said, pause and don't try to move so fast, but that's just not who I am. But I, I just, I didn't know a lot. I didn't know enough of anything. And and my leader was never in the same state as me for quite a few years in my first years as managers, my regional at the time or regionals. But I would say that because of that and not knowing myself so well and, and still learning the industry, I, oy, I didn't show up nearly as well as I could have. I think that there's a, and you know, there's variables in life that was happening on the side, but yeah, I just wish I would have known myself better before I went and stepped into that. I think I was a manager at the age of 24, I think. Yeah. And one of my first team members was in her fifties. That was interesting, right? So somebody really probably knew all about who she was and here I am, you know, and we just, I think leaders, when you become a brand new leader, for sure, we feel the weight of the world. And in my industry, when you are handling a multi-million dollar asset and everything from the financial side of it to the customer base side of it, I mean, you name it, the expenses, your budgets, everything, you feel like you run your own business. And I think young leaders tend to put the weight of the world on them on their shoulders and forget they have a whole team. Mm-hmm. So something I wish I would have known was trust my instincts, know myself. And I'd say the biggest thing is to remind myself to talk to my team the way I would my boss. Mm-hmm. If I would have Perfect. treated them more like partners, the way I considered my bosses as, I think the communication would have been a lot different and I would have had a stronger team because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, can you stop making me be so vulnerable? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about mentorship earlier. Have you had a, a mentor that has made a difference in your career or your life? Yeah. The best boss I've ever had. I am 50. And let me tell you, I've had more really rotten bosses than I've had good ones. And Mm -hmm. I know I'm a handful. So I want to put that out there. But I'm human, right? But I have, I've had some pretty rotten bosses that didn't know how to give me feedback or didn't know how to let me flourish. Or I felt wanted to like, you know, pigeonhole me. So my most recent boss before the one I have now, who the one I have now, I, I we go back 15 years. So that is, that's wonderful to have. But my strongest mentor in a leadership role, his name was Gil Guerra, and he unfortunately passed a year and a half ago in the Surfside collapse, mm-hmm. him and his wife and heartbreaking. And, and although he was only in my life a year and a half, I so admired him and his spirit and his story. And, you know, one of the gifts that he had that was just the talk to and not about was actually something he had, he brought to us that that exact verbiage, but it came up in a conversation between him and me. Cause he was like, you always go directly to the person. And then like in our brainstorming sessions, which we just, you, we just used to do so much of that. And I think I, I really loved that about us. There was this way of being that he never, I didn't see that he ever got in the middle of 
just listening to people's feedback. What he did that I loved that was an art was, let's say you came to me, Michelle, and you start just about whoever. He had this way of saying, okay, so what part did you play in that? Mm -hmm. So in your... He took what I, so we often said we were going to write a leadership book together about, I was writing, so I'm trying to write something around perceptions right now. And you, you know, it's not going very well. I've got to break it into better pockets, but we used to say we wanted to write a leadership book together because of exactly that, that, you know, the communication is just a lost art and how people tend to get into the middle and, you know, and try to give feedback where instead he would say, okay, so this is your perception of the situation. How might you be causing that perception? Like what, mm -hmm. what in your life have you experienced that makes you think that way? And what could you do differently to maybe help change the narrative or help guide so-and-so mm -hmm. in showing up differently for you. Instead of just, oh, I heard all that. Now I'm going to go to this person. I'm going to give you all this feedback and you need to do something differently. He would turn the tables. And I, although you don't like to be on the receiving end of that, but yet you should. And it does make you think like, okay, well, the definition of insanity is to continue to do the same thing over and over. So if it's not working and I'm venting, what can I do differently? And the only thing we can change is ourselves. And so yeah. it's how do, how do we, how do we all do that better? So anyway, I loved him. I love him. He just, again, was such a great human being and he had so many things that I looked up to in the way that he even helped me navigate a new world for me. I moved down here for the job and didn't have any friends in the area. And so just how he, you know, tried to lean in and support me was, yeah, yeah. was invaluable. Well, I really, I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm so sorry for your loss. I, Thank you. I know that was devastating, very devastating event. And, and it's, it's, heart, it's heartbreaking yeah. to drive, still drive past that the lot and, and, and think and think about that. But I know, I know. So I, I'd love to shift gears and talk about wellness and kind of move a yeah. little bit away from leadership. Do you have a daily routine that you do or something that not, doesn't necessarily need to be a routine of steps, but something that you do every day, the evening, the morning? that really helps you get through the day? Mm. I'm in a lot of meetings. So I will tell you, I wish I could incorporate more of what I want. This is going to be the year, but I, you know, I will tell you that for me, it's the morning. I, I may not do everything that everybody else does. And I may not have like, I wouldn't say a set routine, but I'm methodical about my mornings. I, or even if I'm going out with friends, like I love my me time of getting ready and it's like my yoga. Mm -hmm. And I, I do some of my best thinking in front of the mirror. <laughs> and I know that sounds cheesy, but I, I definitely have like my rhythm. And when people mess up that rhythm and they, I, I, I'm single and I, did I just podcast that? I did not mean <laughs> to, but in that I've often said the man of my dreams is going to know when I'm getting ready, bring me a glass of wine and let me be, <laughs> like, you know, but so as long as that's not disturbed. So that's kind of my, my Zen is yeah. when I'm getting ready for anything. I just, I like that, 
that me time to do so. Yeah, love it. I love it. Now, I appreciate you kind of saying that because, yeah, it doesn't need to be. I know some people are like, okay, I have to do this as soon as I wake up and I, then I have to do this. And, you know, it it doesn't necessarily need to be something that is so, I guess, specific or routine or like a recipe, but yeah. even something as simple as that. That's I, I, Thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you for normalizing it because I'll tell you, Michelle, <laughs> I often feel guilty. Like I should, I shouldn't, but I feel like my whole world at work is kind of preset and designed yeah. for me. And I like a plan to some degree, but I think having, not having too much of one, two is liberating. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Is there a song that you will play if you're feeling like you don't have, you know, you need more energy or you feel like you need more confidence, you're going into something that's stressful? Do you have like a pump pump me up song that you listen to? I probably shouldn't broadcast this either. But well, I have, I like more, I like songs that speak to me a lot. And so, and then I like very frivolous songs. So it depends on the moment. So there are, there are some songs like Josh Stone has a song called Right to be Wrong, or I think it just depends on what I'm about to face in life. She has another one called Bruised But Not Broken. Like, so there's those, those two, there was a period of my life as two were like my theme songs to get through something that was going on in my life. But I would say my go-to pick me up will always be salt and pepper soup. <laughs> so I'm really showing my age out there, but that's my, let me get in the car and just like wrap to something frivolous and inappropriate. And <laughs> love it. But it makes uh, yes. me smile. Yeah. Salt and pepper. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, I think that 80s 90s I don't even know oh. is, it, is it more 90s or is it late 80s I don't I, I think don't... it's late 80s early 90s I don't know when shoot came out but express yourself like you yeah. know push it <laughs> but I even think like young people are like so into that music as well like That's it's hope. like otherwise yeah. they're rolling their eyes at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I don't know I mean I, I'd love for I, I think actually they're not all together anymore but I think they've kind of done come back tours as well so all right, well, I I'm could be wrong about that. out there that's all right I'll, I'll I'm gonna research it when we get <laughs> off because if that's true I'm totally gonna look it up how, do you read how, do you have not do you read do you have time to read and are there any like really good books that you've read that you would recommend to the audience or if you don't read like if you listen to podcasts or like audiobooks or anything there there that you would recommend well I'm gonna be listening to you more oh, um thank you you're welcome, Boss Track. So I have a little library right over here that you can't see in my office for anyone who wants to borrow stuff. But I, there's, so there's so many. I will tell you, I skim more than I read, potentially, but I highlight. So as I skim, if something really resonates with me, I would say energy leadership is something that I skimmed more recently. I love murder mysteries. So if we're being really honest, and I just want to take my head away from anything, then yeah. that's kind of where I go. So I do love to read very much, but not always the self-help right. stuff that I, I probably should read more of. Recently, as a team, we started to look at the five-week leadership challenge. Sorry, I'm looking over here, but I'm looking at the ones that are at the top, which means those are the ones that were the more recent books. There's courageous learning. But, you know, there's some of those old 
Jim Collins, Good to Great. Like there's yeah. some of the old books that were really, really amazing. So I have a ton of them, Developing the Leader Within You. I mean, there, there's so many great ones. I have the Crucial Conversations book right here. Yeah. So that's, that's, so I think it's, you know, I don't, my recommendation for anybody is to find the topic you're most passionate about learning more about in yourself and your self-awareness and see if that also supports going back to your original question about helping lead others, you know, define if they're being too bold or too aggressive or, you know, just read up on it and see if you can't find a book that says, here's a, a way of saying it and being you. It's kind of like sales. When you show up for sales, you, you may not always know you can be off-putting until somebody tells you, and then you don't lose who you are. You just find your innate way of saying something differently. And, yeah. but that requires a good coach to guide you to do that. And many, many won't, many will coach you and say, Hey, you just, you just need to do it differently. And then yeah. you're left to your own demise. And that's where we have hiccups anyway. Sorry to go back to that. But. <laughs> no, I mean, and it's, yeah, it doesn't have to be self-help. Like, it, do you have a favorite author for the murder mystery books? That you I like J.D. Robb, which is Nora Roberts to some degree, but I like James Patterson. Okay. Uh, for a while, I was reading a lot of Patricia Cornwell, but I, sorry, Patricia, but I feel like some of those have gotten redundant and uh -oh. in the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, but I do, I like, I like most of those and yeah, know, did, did really like her. So yeah. yeah. Do you, do you watch like, I know White Lotus was kind of like a murder mystery almost. I gotta because... tell you, no, I watched one episode yeah. just recently because somebody swore I would love it. And I'm like, it's yeah. like, it's slow a little the first one it's really I've been I, I don't even think I finished the whole first episode because I yeah. was just like so maybe it gets better but there's all this talk about it and I'm like I can't even get through the first episode but I love any police office like FBI and special victims unit and okay. some of those kind of tv series I'll record those through the week and on the lazy Sunday evening kind of watch yeah. some of those yeah very nice. What well, about that, you? That's something new. Yeah. I enjoyed Boy I enjoyed Boy Lotus. I, you do have to get past the first episode. You okay, might, so I you might even have to get past the first two. But yeah, it gets really it gets really good because I like mysteries where you can't guess what okay. the answer is. And it okay. it has you kind of going back and forth the whole time. Like who because you know right away that somebody died yep. so it's like trying to figure that out and yeah I mean I, I don't want to give it away for anybody but yeah okay. I enjoy I enjoyed it right, I'm gonna I you will you've influenced me to watch two more episodes <laughs> and see if I can get there with you <laughs> yeah let me know and uh, I I won't bring it up again if you if you get that far <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, well, this is, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm so thankful that you came on and we finally got to talk and I know we could have, I mean, we have so many different topics we could talk about and hopefully you'll be back for another session where you could talk about something, you know, kind of expand on some of the things that we talked about today, but for the listeners, for our audience, if they wanted to reach out to you, first of all, is that okay for them to reach out to you? And if it is, where is, how is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. They can reach out. I can, we're all here to help one another, right? So anything that I can do, you can reach out to me via email. And do you want to plug that on the, I guess, in the 
body of something, Michelle, yeah. or did you want me to share that? Yeah, share it for people that are just listening and might not have the opportunity, but I will also, of course, put it in the show notes and the the summary of the episode. Absolutely. Now, unfortunately, it's a mouthful, but it's lenae.remendino at gmail.com. So L-Y-N-A-E dot R-E-M-O-N-D-I-N-O at gmail. Great. So email is the best way and you're okay with everybody emailing you. Why not? Any questions? Great. Why not? Sure. Perfect. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience before we wrap up? Besides being your most authentic self and never letting anyone dull your sparkle, I I think that's it. I think it's, you know, self-love and care is so important to some of where you were going on the latter part of this and wellness. And so just we should be kind to ourselves as we're being kind to others. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Thank you, Lene. Thank you so much for coming on. And Thank you for having I me. really appreciate your time. So enjoy, enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. <laughs> right. I hope to see you again soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. Just one more thing before you take off. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash boss track or sign up for our free weekly newsletter. It's easy to sign up and easy to cancel. Every Monday, we send out a short, exclusive newsletter of what we found during the week that we're excited about, we're inspired by, and we're watching and reading. If you'd like to check it out, just to go to thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Just type that into your browser, thebosstrack.com forward slash newsletter. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.